so proud of them and the steps they are taking and, and what they said rings true, right? We need as people to find what matters. And that's the whole reason we've been in this series called Finding the Way. We want people to find the way of Christ, to find what matters and what ultimately matters is Jesus. And we've talked about that a lot of different ways throughout our whole series. Uh, but this is the last week of this series, and it's been a phenomenal one. And uh, I, I got to ask, have you guys enjoyed this series? Have you guys thought it had been good? I've loved it. And, uh, man, I, I hope everyone that's watching right now, whether you're on demand or you're at J. Rubin, let's give it up for our J. Rubin crowd. We love you guys. No matter where you've been experiencing this series from, I really do believe it's been powerful. And I've got to say from my seat, being able to see people take those steps and doing what we've been talking about over the last five weeks now into our sixth week has been amazing. I'm seeing you guys relentlessly attack your goals. And that's an awesome thing. And in general, I love watching people relentlessly attacking their goals. And uh, one of the areas I'm seeing this more recently in my life, uh, if you've been following me maybe on social media or anything like that, you'll have seen, while I don't look like it, I have gotten really into running recently. And uh, I have been following, I've been following all these people and these podcasts and these uh, social media people, and it's been super interesting to me. But just last week, there was a man, uh, his name was Kelvin Kiptum, and he's uh, from Kenya, and he ran the Chicago Marathon last week. And he ran the Chicago Marathon, which is 26.2 miles, in just two hours and 35 seconds. Can you imagine that? Dude was flying. Like the, the mental fortitude it would take to run that far, that fast, is absolutely incredible to me. And to know that he's pushing that barrier and to know that pretty soon we will have people running under two-hour uh, marathons is a mind-blowing thing. And what I recognize as I think about Kelvin is that I will never run that fast, right? <laughs> but Clay Finkley did run a race in 2023, all right? You know, it, uh, you're going to clap until you hear the story. Uh, <laughs> In 2022, you ever have those days where you wake up and maybe it's right before you get in the shower, right after you get in the shower, and you catch a look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, ugh, I had that moment. And every time you have one of those moments, you're like, today is the day that I change my life. I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to lose this weight and I'm going to work out, right? And you don't ever actually think it's going to work. But there's part of you that's like, I'm inspired. And I felt this moment of inspiration, and thankfully, it was just a couple days after payday, so I had some extra cash in my bank account, right? And I started to talk to Katie. I was like, Katie, I have something on my bucket list that I want to do. I want to go down to Disney, and I want to run a half marathon down in Disney World. And she's thinking, Clay's probably going to lose some weight. He's going to be looking better, right? Sign you up. <laughs> So I signed up, and uh, as soon as I signed up, as soon as I paid $250 to run, the big mouse always gets his money, doesn't 
$250 to run 13 miles. I go, what in the world did I just do? What kind of decision did I just make? And I was nervous. But then I started my training plan. And I got to be honest with you guys. I became obsessed with running. I love the mental challenge of it, the the mental space that you get in afterwards. Like my entire life as an offensive lineman, this was my running extent. And then I get like a 30-second break. It was awesome. So now I have this training plan where I'm running miles upon miles, and I became obsessed with it. I started getting all the gear, and I started to uh, listen to all the podcasts. I started following all the people on social media. I loved it. And it was all I could think about. It was all I could talk about. And what I was really focused on more than anything else was crossing the finish line. I remember after months of training into 2023, last February, uh, I woke up at 2 a.m. for my race. Once again, why am I doing this? Because my race started at 5 a.m. And I remember just getting so nervous. And I get to Epcot where the race starts and I, I can feel the butterflies again. And all I can think about is my goal for the race, which is to not be passed by the pink balloon ladies. <laughs> you might be going, Clay, who are the pink balloon ladies? Well, these are people who run the slowest possible time that you can finish the race in. And if you get passed by them, then your race is done and you get on a bus and you get taken back to your hotel. Humiliating, right? So I'm terrified that that's gonna happen to me. And uh, you would think that these pink balloon ladies are super athletic people, love to run. No, they're mom and grandmas, right? They're speed walking this course, right? They are very normal humans. And I'm like, I have to beat the 49-year-old mother. I've got to do this, right? This is my goal. This is my dream. I've got to get to that finish line, right? And I take off. And I run. I run by characters. I run through Cinderella's castle. I, I run and get killed by the overpasses. I start to feel queasy, and I realize I probably shouldn't have had that third pretzel and Dole Whip combo the day before, right? And I'm just going like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And I ended up, at the end of the race, crossing the finish line. Come. Very emotional, very tired, <laughs> very hungry, but that was big for me. It was a moment of emotion for me because I didn't just finish. I, Clay Finkley, beat 6,557 people for a final placing of (laughs) 7,997. I did not win. (laughs) But what I did do is I did finish the race. And that's what mattered to me. And a lot of times in scripture, you will see this concept of finishing the race. It's a very common thing. And just like a marathon, when we go and we find the way, when we begin to follow the way, it's not always going to be easy. It's going to be a great challenge. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be moments where it hurts. But we've been called to 
finish the race. We've been called to complete the task. Now, when it comes to our faith, and maybe you're someone who's found the way a long time ago and you've been finding the way through this series, or maybe you just found the way during this series. You're going, man, how do I make it to the end? How do I keep putting one foot after another? How do I not give up? How do I stay consistent? How do I hold on to my faith? It's a great question. It's one of the biggest questions we will ever answer. And my answer to you tonight is very simple. Whether you feel like you are running at Kelvin's pace or Clay's pace when it comes to your faith, what we have to do is be relentless. There's two reasons that we're gonna do that tonight. It's to be relentless so that we can finish the race and then we be relentless so we can complete the task. And to start with this idea of being relentless so we can finish the race, we can go back to the book of Acts, which we've been in this entire series. And during this time, as we're talking together, we're going to be later in the book of Acts. Acts 20 is where we'll be hanging out. But if you look at the early church throughout the whole book of Acts, you will recognize that they were relentless. The early Christians were the ones that led the way for all of us. They really set the tone for all of us. If you, if you think about their situation, they were the early adopters. They were the ones who left their homes and their families. They were the ones who left their religions and ideologies. They were the ones that were persecuted. And despite all of that happening, they chose to be relentless and to continue to follow the way. And we see that especially in a guy named Paul's life. And if you look at the book of Acts in the Bible, you you will see a lot about Paul. And Paul writes a lot in the New Testament as well, which is part of the Bible. And with Paul you see a guy who's making a major difference in the world. He's making a major difference in the early church. And he's been going at this for a while now, and where we're going to pick up, Paul has been hanging out in Greece for about three months. And he's about to leave Greece and go to Syria, uh, where he can go and preach the gospel there. But while he is waiting and hanging around, right before he's about to leave, he finds out the Jewish religious leaders of the time who did not like the uprising of Christianity wanted to kill Paul. They've devised this plan, they devised this strategy to bring him in, to, to hurt him, to kill him, to imprison him, to really just limit his impact. Which is ironic because if you look at the story of Paul, you will see a man who originally started as the guy who was doing the persecution of Christians, but now he's found the way, and all of a sudden he is the one getting persecuted. Somehow he hears about this plan and he recognizes he's in this precarious position where, well, his life might be over soon. That might be his actual life. This might mean because he's in prison, but he realizes this is kind of the end of the road for him. So what he does is he gathers these leaders around him, these leaders that he's poured into, these leaders that he's invested in, and he kind of realizes, this is the last time I'm going to see you guys. Another way to say this, this is a farewell message to them. And what he does is he tries to tell them about what he's done in the past, what he's doing in the present, what he wants to do in the future, and really what he's trying to say is, Regardless of what's happened in the past, whatever's happened in the present, or what's going to happen in the future, he was going to serve the Lord no matter what. The humility that he had to have, 
the tears of, of sadness, of frustration, of anger and struggle, the trials that he faced, he was trying to tell them this is all worth it because his number one job in this world is to serve God and to serve his people. And as he's communicating all this, he leads into a very powerful section of scripture that we're going to break down together tonight. And it's Acts 20, 22 through the first part of 24. And this is what he says. He says, and now I am bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. It's a brutal place to be at where you just recognize no matter what's going ahead of me, there's going to be jail. There's going to be suffering. And he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul knows the dangers that lies before him. He knows the problems he's going to face. He knows the struggles that he's going to experience. But he also knows what God has called him to. He has been given a calling to follow the way and to share the way with other people, trying to help people in the Jewish faith and help people in the Gentile world know who Jesus is. He's doing this because he himself has found the way. He recognized who Jesus was. He recognized that Jesus completely has transformed his life. And he's going, man, I need to go and do something with that now. And because he wants to do that, people want to kill him. People want to torture him. People want to throw him in jail. And he's going, I don't care about all that. I've got a job to do. I've got a race to finish, which is so different than what many of us do. And I'm including myself in this. There's a lot of times where God will call us to do something, and we're like, okay, God, I want to do it. And then we have that first roadblock that hits us. We have that first hardship. We have that first challenge. We have that first person turn us away. We have that first person uh, kind of judge us for changing how we're acting. And because we have that one small, tiny little roadblock, like I said, I'm including myself in on this, we say, oh, God, I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm going to take a step back. I, you know, it's... it's I don't want to disrupt what's going on over there. I, I don't want to bother that person. In Paul's case, it would have been easy for him to say, I don't want to get tortured. I don't want to get killed. I don't want to be thrown in prison. I, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just going to just stay over here and, and be happy, and, and everything will be fine. But he's like, no, no, no. All of that, all of the trials, all the suffering, all the problems, it is worth it because I've got a job to do. I think the reason Paul understands that he can get through this is because he recognizes that this finding the way and following the way is a marathon and not a sprint. And I think it's easy for us to get that mixed up. Sometimes we think faith is a sprint. Like, okay, I made the decision to follow Jesus, and I'm done. I made the decision to get baptized, and I'm done. I made the decision to, to give a little bit, I'm done. I served at an event, and I'm done. That's not how faith works. Faith isn't a momentary thing. Faith is a lifelong thing, and we should be chasing uh, after Jesus with every aspect of our life for all of our life. It is a marathon, 
not a sprint. Which leads to the question, well, how would you, do you complete a marathon? How do you finish that? How do you actually do that? Well, this terminology of a race is often used in Scripture. It's very popular in the New Testament. Paul writes a lot about it especially. But there's a section of Scripture in the book of Hebrews that I think it says it really well. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, this is the first verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The first thing we need to do if we want to finish the marathon is to forget the past. You know, many of us, no, I'm not even going to say many of us, all of us, have some sort of sin problem. And that might be a consistent sin problem or just the fact that we sin because we are people. And I know for me, when I have a sin problem, I sin, I make a mistake, I do something that is not of God, I feel the weight of that sin on my mind, on my shoulders, on my heart, in my soul, in my gut. And what that does in that moment is slow me down, pulls me back. And if we live a life where we are piling on that weight over and over and over and over again, eventually we will be so weighed down that we can't move forward. So what we got to do is we got to strip off that weight. We got to let go of that hindrance. We got to say, I'm done with that sin problem. For some of us, we could look to our past life and the sin problems that were created in habit before are still creeping up today. And what we should be challenging ourselves is we should go, no, no, I'm not going to fall into that old sin habit of my past life because I'm a new creation. I have new life in Christ. I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I don't need to sin that same way anymore. And then there's others of us that have let go of some of our sins in the past, but we're still going to sin in the present because we're human, right? Well, what happens when we sin in the present, we should go to fix that and get rid of it right away. Repent, confess, uh, make amends with, with someone if you hurt them. Take care of it. So we've got to forget the past, which will actually allow us to look forward to what lies ahead. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We have to focus on something as we run or we will run aimlessly. Very practical example of this is as a church, we focus on helping people, especially this gen, which means people the age zero to 29, find what matters by connecting them to Jesus and others. Pretty much all of our decisions that we make at The Rock are based on that vision piece, which is tied to scriptures and all that stuff. But like, that is what drives us. That helps us. That is the, the marker on our compass that tells us this is the direction that we need to go. In the same way, I think as people, we need that for ourselves personally. Because there's a lot of us in here that feel like we're running around this life aimlessly. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to act. Maybe that's because we haven't discovered our purpose yet. The, the beautiful thing about this is that God has created 
a mission for you, and he has uniquely designed you to accomplish that mission. Every single one of us can go and do something great for the kingdom. And if you find that thing that God has put in your life and in your heart, all of a sudden, decision-making will be easier. Your habits will be easier. Chasing after dreams and goals will be easier because you know exactly what God wants you to do. And rather than sitting back and giving up, we'll say, you know what, I know this is hard right now, but I know what God wants me to do, and that matters more. Which will help us do the third thing, which is to press on. It says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. When it comes to our walk with Christ, when it comes to finding and following the way, it will be hard. People can have a habit of thinking when you decide to follow Jesus, life gets easier. It doesn't work like that. Because we are on this sinful world, because we have not had the reuniting with Jesus again, life is going to happen to each and every single of us. There is going to be tragedy, there's going to be problems, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be pain, there's going to be relationship strife. It's all going to be there because we exist here on earth. But then there's another side of struggle. The other side of struggle is that God, Jesus has told us that, that hardships will come and that the row is narrow and difficult, which means as you're living and following Christ, you are going to have to make difficult decisions. Decisions where you're not following the crowd, where you're not following the culture, where you might be doing something different than other people, and you might get mocked for it. You might be excluded because of it. You might be pushed away from it. But it's worth it. Paul understood this. He was willing to do all of these things. I'm not going to read it, but there's some really interesting things about what Paul had to deal with in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. But you'll see that he's been whipped, he's been uh, shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been stoned. He's had all of these problems come into his life. Where it very easily would be, most of us would say, I'm going to give up. But he doesn't. He chooses to be relentless. Because he wants to finish the race. But it comes down to this question, why? Why do you want to finish the race? Well, it comes to our second point. We be relentless so we can finish the race, and we be relentless so we can complete the task. Have you ever looked at something and you thought to yourself, man, you had one job? Let me give you a, a couple examples here. We're talking about running. Thirst. And now, I don't know if that person was trying to say third. I don't know if they're trying to say first. But that person had one job, and they did it wrong, right? Or maybe this ultimate example of laziness. Long yellow things. That is a banana. Or my personal favorite out of these sets of pictures. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you know, you had one job. Those are backwards, right? And it's easy to look at those pictures and laugh for a moment and be like, man, that's, that's hilarious. I can't believe they would mess up. But the reality is we have been given one job as Christ followers, and we mess up that job all the time. I don't even know if you know your one job. 
Paul knew his one job, and it's the same job for all of us. 2024, it says this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Preach the good news. Testify the the good news of God's grace to all people. That is our one job. And I can remember when I discovered this verse. Uh, It was given to me, inscribed on a compass the day I got ordained. And this verse in Joshua 1.9 turned into the two driving verses for my life. They they really helped me understand that I can be strong and courageous because God's going to be with me. But the second part of this is, I have a job to do, and that is to tell as many people as possible about Jesus throughout my entire life. And until God calls me to do something different or calls my life to be done, that is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to row the boat in whatever direction God calls me to do. Now, if you've got really good eyesight, you have been able to recognize that I may or may not have those two verses tattooed on my arm. Forgot I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Let's repeat this. (laughs) If you have really good eyesight, you may be able to tell I have Joshua 1.9 and Acts 20.24 with some oars and a compass tattooed on my arm. I actually have it on the front of my Bible as well. The reason is because I am constantly trying to remind myself that I need to tell people about Jesus. In other words, my Job is to be relentless and complete the task of telling others about him. That is the way of Christianity. And as the Mandalorian would say it, and we've been waiting to say this all series, this is the way. You testify about Jesus and you carry out the task that has been assigned to you. And every single person in here has a unique set of opportunities You might be a mom that has a mom's group where you are just trying to get a break from your kids and you're going to let them play and you guys are going to sit and talk to adults for a little bit. You might be the captain of your sports team. You might be a coach of a little league team. You might be the manager at your job. You might be the friend of the manager at your job. We have all been put in position where we have an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. And I really do believe that everybody has the ability to lead somebody. And part of the reason I believe that is because God has given every single person a gift to be able to tell someone about Jesus. This might be the way they smile. This might be the way they listen. This might be the way they play basketball. This might be the way they play a guitar. This might be the way they teach some kids. This might be the way they coach. Whatever it is, people have been given gifts and opportunities to tell others about him. So how do you do that? How do you take advantage of those opportunities? Acts 33 through 35, or 22, says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked hard to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We are called to work hard, to use our gifts, to use our opportunities. The way isn't about sitting 
and taking. It's about going and making. And I'll be very real with you guys. Nothing frustrates me more. Nothing frustrates me more than when people look at the way of Christianity and think it's about them. Yes, the way of Christianity, yes, Jesus is for you. But it's not about you, which means it's for other people too. And because we get to experience the wonderful grace, the good news of Jesus, that should completely transform and radicalize our life and turn it into something completely different than it used to be in the past where we are just going around and telling all sorts of people about Jesus because they need to know that he matters and that they matter. And when you do that, you will begin to be living the way of Christ. And while we've been talking about this a lot as a church, this is really a way of life. And I, over the past six weeks, I've been doing just a lot of studying, been a lot of reading and a lot of thinking but, and watching you guys. And as I sat and reviewed this sermon on Monday, I, I just chewed on what this entire series meant. And I'll be real with you guys, I just started writing. And I just want to read to you guys what I wrote about the way. The way is a way of life. Yes, the way comes from the one who gives us life. When we find the way, we find God, Christ, and home. We are no longer isolated and alone because this is the way. But the way requires response, a response that challenges us, corrects us, and changes us. So we acknowledge, we ask, and we accept. And in that moment, our souls are ripped away from the debt because this is the way. Now we are rescued, but it doesn't stop there. No longer is it about sitting in a pew. It's about what you can do. Hear me, rescued people, rescue people. And it doesn't matter if they are along the way, against the way, or across the way because this is the way. The way calls us to reproduce our faith. And too many times we sit back and wait. I'm urging you to do it before it's too late. So get personal, get practical, then watch God do the radical because this is the way. We have to be willing to release. The way isn't about sitting and taking, it's about going and making. Ask yourself today, what's it going to take to make? And it's going to take giving to what matters in a way that matters because this is the way. This won't be easy. This will be the hardest thing you ever do. Don't give up, don't give in, don't quit. Be relentless, finish the race, complete the task, for there is no request of God that is too big of an ask. Find the way, follow the way, show the way, because this is the way. This is the way. This is the way we have been called to live. This is the way that we can live. And I promise you, if you live that way, it will be a life and an eternity greater than you can ever imagine. And the ultimate example of being relentless and finishing the race and completing the task and living the way is Jesus himself. 
He relentlessly pursued us by coming from heaven to earth, living 33 perfect years and dying on the cross for us. That dying on the cross for us showed us that he was willing to finish the race, that he saw the pain that we were in, the struggle we were in, he said, I'm gonna do this for them. I don't care about my pain. I don't care about my struggle. I care about them. And then he completed the task by three days later, raising from the dead, defeating death, defeating sin, defeating Satan forever. And because of that, we now have the opportunity to find the way, follow the way, and show the way to other people. And that's what I'm gonna urge all of us to do today. Maybe today is the day that you start to find the way and you begin to follow it. You can have that moment right there at your seat. You can pray to God and say, God, I'm choosing to follow you today. Maybe some of you are in a position where you've been going down the road and you've been following Jesus for a long time. Well, I'm gonna challenge you today, be relentless and continue to finish the race. I have so much respect for people who did lifelong ministry. No scandals, no problems, just did what they were supposed to do and retired in a healthy, good way. Be that person. And then complete the task. Who is it that you need to go and tell people about Jesus? There's a lot of people that don't know him. There's a lot of people that need to find the way. Will you help them go do that? Be relentless. Finish the race. Complete the task. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? In just a moment, we will go into a time of worship. If you want someone to talk to, our prayer corners at the Connect Corners would love to pray with you. We have a communion up front where you can remind yourself of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross with his body being broken and his blood being spilled. Maybe tonight is the night you wanna get baptized. It's a sign that you are following the way. If you wanna do that and you wanna to talk to someone about that, please stop by the Connect Corner in the corner. We'd love to chat with you about that. This is the way. Let's relentlessly pursue.